and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast. Live from beautiful downtown Southern Maryland, it's time for the Steam Power Podcast, episode number 72. For the 30th of August 2015, we're a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest and the greatest in science, technology, engineering, art, and math news. And something else. <laughs> Darn it. Anyway, I'm Mike. I'm Lisa. It's time to get steamy. All right, welcome back. Um, we're actually on schedule this week. Yeah. That's a first. Well, I mean, I technically I did the podcast last time, but it didn't record, so... I wasn't feeling well, so I just had you do it again by yourself. Yeah, and I think I just switched over. Hold on. I think I just had the wrong microphone on. But it's okay. It's good enough. I'll just record the later. It's good enough. Is it mine or yours? It's that camera. No, the microphone's good. Oh. Good. Talking to yours. Hello? Hello? (laughs) Ha ha. So, yeah, I just had the wrong setting. Okay. It's fine. Um. School's back. I think yes. that's changed since last time. Yes. Uh, dance has started. Back in school. Life back to dance. Yep. Back to the old grind. Um, gosh. I'm trying to think if there's anything steamy that we've done. Science-y or... Mm. Not really. I don't think so. It's been pretty... No. I mean, you had the pack space open house. Yeah, we had that. That was good. Yeah. Um, now, what... Um, oh, leave. what about the um, STEM Scouts? Oh, STEM scouts. Yeah. I mean, that's not, we're not personally doing that yet. Yet, anyway, but it would depend on which night they would have meetings and things like that. So, yeah, for those who don't have been, don't know, and actually, there are really, I haven't heard much. I'm going to bring up the website here. Is this just, it's, this is a pilot program, or is this something they're rolling out everywhere, or what? So, you, so yes and yes and yes and no and no and yes. So the, let's let's back up here. Let me go ahead and share the screen so people okay. can see this um, goodness that is Steam Scouts or STEM Scouts. STEM Scouts, yeah. It should be Steam it Scouts. Be Steam Scouts so, you know. um, anyway. I think I think anybody makes a mistake when they don't incorporate art. the arts into STEM you know, education they'll, they'll fix because it, you focus on just the STEM part too much you lose the humanities and that kind of stuff and that's not good so what is stem scouts this is actually a program of the boy scouts of america um basically just like there's it's a there's the umbrella boy scouts of america but then they have like cub scouts boy scouts venturing sea scouts varsity scouts so this is now another uh branch or arm or division or whatever you want to say that's focusing on stem-like activities um, now there's not much really known because it's, you're right. It was a pilot in the Knoxville, Tennessee area last year. Okay. They're rolling it out to, I believe another dozen councils this year. And then they will hopefully sometime, I guess in 16, make it or 16 or 17, make it a, you know, a national available everywhere. Right. Um, okay, I, so it's not something that's going to be in our area anyway this year. It, we uh, the <clears throat> national area council is not one of the twelve that was selected, I or chosen, or asked to be. Which a part of it. you know that that kind of um, 
surprises me that they wouldn't pilot it in the D.C. area. Right, so if you're in Austin, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, East Hartford, Connecticut, Houston, Indianapolis, Nashville, St. Louis, Tucson, West Hampton, New Jersey, West Hampton, uh, and Weston, Wisconsin, West Hampton. Uh, hmm. you will be getting STEM Scouts this fall. Weston, Wisconsin seems a little random on that. (laughs) West Hampton, New Jersey. I'm assuming that's somewhere near New York City, but I mean. So here's the interesting thing about it. Um, It's a co-ed program, um, even though it's under the Boy Scouts of America, just like venturing is co-ed. The other interesting thing is it's, it's, it's a program available to elementary, middle, and high school students, which is a really wide. That's a broad range of kids right. there. And so, so, but wait a second. They, I would assume they have divisions within the STEM scouts for grades, right? So that's what's weird to me. So like. They have to. You can't have elementary kids with I, high school kids we, doing the same right, thing. Because we've learned that experience, right? Yes. Our, <laughs> so that's the weird thing. It's like, right, venturing you is. You just can't. Is, which is a co-ed thing, is only like 14 to 21. Yes. Uh, sea Scouts is like 14 to 21, I think. So where we already have co-ed, and then, right, there's the Cub Scouts, Weeblows, Boy Scouts. Yeah, that's what, are they in. having divisions like that in the STEM Scouts? I don't know. Maybe that's what they're trying to figure I out. So. I would think they would have to. Um So here's what is STEM Scouts? STEM Scouts is a national pilot program of the Boy Scouts of America focused on fun ways for girls and boys grades 3 through 12 to learn about science, technology, engineering, and math. Using hands-on activities, STEM Scouts encourage young minds' natural curiosity and helps build interest in STEM-related careers that are crucial to our future economy and, well, just goodness in life. Um, So I did some research for for an article I wrote. Um, So the way they're set up – I, I didn't see that age differentiation thing, but what they that are going to have is me. just like there's a Boy Scout troop or adventuring crew, there is STEM laboratories. So you will have like Laboratory Four Seven Four, which is my old Scout troop number. Okay. Right. Um, and you, I'm assuming they do more indoor activities. Or, I'm assuming it, and the that, focus isn't on camping and things like see, that. That's traditionally. I think thought of when you think of the scouts correct but i think the good groups will be the ones that can leverage both the stem and the outdoors and okay. combine it um i think there's so else? you don't think this is just boy scouts with a stem focus right so i don't think this it's is like, something completely different right than boy because scouts. you don't because obviously there is no, no other boy scout program catering to girls for in the elementary and middle school age. So yes. you have to be able to join. You have to, so my opinion is you join a laboratory just like you join a troop. It's not like, oh, I join a troop and I also do this as a, as a side activity. No, this is your unit, right? Um, and you, it's a little bit different because they're, instead of doing this, like the traditional Boy Scout, at least my troop, the way we used to be was every month we'd do a theme. So like this we, this month would be first day. Next month would be orienteering. Was that for like badges and stuff? Um, yes, it could be, but it was also just to give enough different experiences so that the younger scouts could get all their requirements done in the year to go from scout to first class. No, oh. um, and it was just good for refreshing the outdoor skills. But we did find like every now and then we would do something that we didn't do. Like we would do like an engineering month, or we would do sports month. Um. I bet you love that. I loved both back <laughs> when I was younger. Actually, thank you. Um, We're not much of a sporting family. <laughs> so that's that's what it looks like. 
Um, what am I? Where am I at? There we go. So it's. I, I mean, I really like it. I think. I think having having an organization like the Boy Scouts that already has a a national um, infrastructure in place will help alleviate the problems that we've seen with other you know, homegrown. Yes, I um, agree. STEM yeah. Things is that it's, it's hard to do, right? I mean, it's, it takes a lot of parent volunteers. Yes. Um, and especially if you're doing it completely from scratch, it's a lot of work. Whereas leveraging an organization like the Boy Scouts that can, has hires people professionally and pays them to develop curriculum and to develop, uh, pr- you know, ideas then you'd simply leverage that plus all the insurance. Well, curriculum and is key too. Issues. And so especially with something like STEM scouts, it's right. That that's where I would think they would need to have that age division because realistically you can't third grader give a third grader grader. the same curriculum as you can a 12th grader. Right. Yeah. You just can't. Um, the other interesting thing about the STEM scouts is in my opinion to be successful is it's really going to take the community to be successful because whereas with boy scouts, yeah, you know, a couple dads, moms, volunteer that you know, that are outdoorsy or hands-on, they could teach the first aid. But STEM, to do it right, you need to go to places like laboratories and to workshops where mm-hmm. there is this kind of – so they're really – STEM scouts to succeed is really going to require a Local business involvement. Yeah, involvement, so, things like that. You know, yeah, local – like the only time I really dealt with local businesses when as a scout was when you're – uh, you know, you're doing your Eagle Scout project and you're going to solicit donations. Donations, yeah. Um, but I think it's cool. I think it's good. I, I'm curious. I, right now it's like we don't know enough details to really, um, you know, is this something that, you know, our daughter may want to do? Would I want to get involved with it? Um, you know, I've had a lot of issues with the Boy Scouts in the last few years that are, that are slowly starting to erode. So I'm, I'm more open to... You mean political issues? <laughs> some would say political. I would say more human rights, civil rights kind of thing. Yes. Um, so but, that, but they are turning over new leaf yes. when it comes to that kind so of that, stuff, right? That, that world yeah. is changing. Um, now you add the STEM thing into there, plus, because I have a daughter, um, you know, and, you know, Main, I may have a grandson one day. I guess I could possibly. That's scary. <laughs> Let's put that, Let's off, that off for a while, while. please. Um, <laughs> but so I think this is good. So I'm curious. That's like, a long way down the road. Um, you know, let's say my let's say our people at Pack Space also buy into this idea, right? Yes. I would be tempted to, to join help as out. an adult leader. Yeah, you know, and get back into my scouting roots, kind of. Um, but. You know, I think like I said, you know, Pack Space would get, be a good place for them to meet. Right. Like you know, meet, for, yeah. You know. Especially here, now that you have that classroom. Up here's the thing there. that stems got that's going to be curious for me, right? Is that, um, so we'll just go out. We'll say so. So the Boy Scouts, as of recent, has finally lifted the ban, national ban on gay youth and gay leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're leaving that up to the unit level to decide what works best for their. Um, really? Well, that's the thing. It's a, it's a gray, right? They're saying that. They're, they're leaving really it up to the that. unit. What does that mean? Let's not go there. Let's. Does that mean a leader could still turn away a gay youth if he wanted to be in that's, the scouts? So that's because that's got. just wrong. <laughs> I think the leaders are being treated a little bit differently than the youth. I think there's that you can't ban a youth. I'm not sure. I think that what I understand is let's not go there though. That's missing. The okay. Point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's not. Cause that, that might turn ugly. Here's the other part of this. So boy scouts at the, also has a, um, I wouldn't say a religious, but a, 
Um, I would say that it does have a slightly religious foundation. I would yes. say more of a faith. There's a it's faith-based, faith faith yes. Less, yes, that's you know, not religious, but faith, yes. And very, I would agree and, with and, that. And, 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 and despite the critics, the Boy Scouts has been a very open to like. I would equate the Boy Scouts any, to federal government when it comes to the faith-based. Right. It has a bit of a faith-based backbone to it. Right. I mean, there's this, there's these hints of the faith in there, but it's it doesn't. The Boy Scouts has never like you have to be a Christian or you have to. Yes. They've yeah. been very very open minded when it comes to religion. It, it's like you know there, there's there's Buddhist and there are uh, Muslim and there is um, um, Sikh. So I've seen all kinds of you know people that have joined the Boy Scouts. So they're ve- they've been very pro minded about faith. Um. But with that said, though, is there is a requirement for having some sort of belief, and they don't want to know about it. They don't want to say, you know, they, they never say you you have there, to. Wait, there's a requirement to have a belief. So yeah, that's one of the things that. So you can't be an atheist and join. As of right now, that is. But do children really know? Well, the, you're getting another point, right? And that's where. And that's I where, mean, honestly, you know, Spence, most kids have a belief in right. something. It's not till they become adults that people tend to get jaded with things. Sure, and, and that's why I think the Boy Scouts has been very successful in navigating that because they realize that youth are going to naturally question things just because that's part of being... But I would still question and, and, if there's atheist parents that have a child that wants to be in the Boy Scouts, would they not accept that child? I mean... So what I would say That's is, just as wrong as not accepting a gay youth, honestly. I would say that... Because the issue of faith is so much more, they could maybe say, "We'll let you join. Just be aware that a lot of the things we do are faith based. Right. And if you're okay with that, then we don't have any problem and, and, and honestly, with you joining." I, I have this really twisted myth that mindset: is that atheism is a belief, so therefore you have a faith, whether or not you believe, whether or not that makes sense. Well. Um, so anyway, that, that's why it's never really been. An you issue. have a belief in a non-belief. But with that said, <laughs> right? You have a belief in a non-belief. STEM Scouts to me is a very interesting dynamic because um, because it's about questioning and understanding reality and not accepting things on faith. Mm-hmm. How will this? So if this really catches on, and there are people, you know, will would the Boy Scouts get to the point where you know they're comfortable? With atheism, because it's a belief system, you believe. You believe yeah, because not there there are lots of scientific exactly. points that directly contradict religious beliefs. Well, not just beliefs. that, but a lot of people who are in of science and technology just don't have a deeply religious, and let I understand alone, that. a spiritual. I understand um, that. So how will this? It, it, I don't want to drag on that. I think yeah. it's really good. I think it's interesting that we. My point is, we live in very interesting times. How traditionally very conservative organizations are realizing that to survive and thrive, we have to embrace just like society as a whole has to, um, you know, this, the idea of, of how do we retrain ourselves to be more hands-on to embrace STEM while also honoring our more traditional things. And I think this is, to me, this is a sign that we are learning how to do that, that we Mm -hmm. are learning to find the balance. And I think that's cool. And I can't wait to join the STEM scouts and that's it. Um, shall we get into Sounds the stories? Sounds good, sure. We've got nothing else to talk about, right? 
No, I don't think we do this week. No, I got no new toys. We no. well, we ordered a treadmill. That's not exactly shape. Yeah, I need to get some exercise in. All right, so it's, it's health related, it's you health, know. Just yeah. Steady. Um. Anyway. Oh, four right. days school week can improve academic performance study finds. Shortening the school day week to four days has a positive impact on elementary school students' academics performance in mathematics, according to researchers at Georgia State University and Montana State University. And this comes to us from ScienceDaily.com. I wonder if this has been extended to um, if they've studied middle school and high school students yet. Uh, looks like not. Looks like this is still the I I would not be I would not be opposed to a four day. School week. Now, hasn't there also been studies that show a four-day work week? Yeah, it has more productivity and correct. things like that, too. Yep. There has been studies. On so that. I would think the two could, you know, maybe go hand-in-hand. Because the problem you have with a four-day school week is you have a lot of parents that work five days a week. Sure. And that extra day is going to throw a wrench into that for a lot of parents. But, you know, I mean, certainly I know our daughter wouldn't. Uh, you know what? I don't know. Though. She likes school. Well, here's, here's interesting. It says, it says a number of school districts in the United States have already moved from the traditional Monday through Friday schedule really? to a four-day week schedule as a cost-saving measure to reduce now that overhead makes sense. and transportation costs. Four-day weeks have been instituted in rural areas of the Western United uh, in West in school districts of Western states, particularly in Colorado, New Mexico, and Wyoming. Hmm. Over one third of the school districts in Colorado have adopted a four-day schedule. Wow! The alternative schedule is also being considered for districts in Oregon, Missouri, Florida, and Georgia. Hmm. How about that? I think. See, and maybe I'm wrong. It's and yes, the four day, five day to four day makes sense. I think the the what the really big thing, the bigger picture is, that we place so much emphasis on academics that releasing the pressure valve a little bit, letting people have other things besides strict math reading, where people can have other, um, you know, endeavors, yeah, and 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 pursue them academically, like art, like um. Well, mainly this artistic kind of endeavors, it reinforces. So to me, I don't know if it's so much that the fact that it's a five day to four day as it is because you've got, now you just have less, you have less pressure because you have less time in that environment. That means you have more time to pursue your artistic desires, which means you're, you're balancing your, in other words, what the real story is, is it because people are finding a balance are getting more of a balance that therefore they're, they're pursuing hmm. um, because I know Could I be. do. I know if I get stuck on a academic or a technical I sit here and I'll, I'll start sketching or drawing, and that helps. It helps free my mind. Um, so I'm wondering if that's really the bigger story. Maybe. That could be. I think it's good, though. I think that um, – that I think at least here in the United States, we have gone so overboard on being – Well, um, what I'm wondering is – And hard if- work. Since they do the four day a week uh, schedule, if they focus more during the days that they are in school, if they have more quality time as opposed to quantitative time, right? It's right, quality over quality. Like, yes, because like, because you only have four days now, you have to. Teach yes, things. now you have to be smart <laughs> no, about right. teaching things. Versus we're just going to fill the time exactly, and, so and we're just going to do cheesy worksheets right. and. Things like that, that sure they help your skills, but they're not helpful when it comes to actually learning how to do something. I agree. Next story. 
kind of in the same vein. Yep. To get girls more interested in computer science, make classrooms less geeky. What do you think about this? A new, uh, so a new study that found that three times as many female high school students were interested yes, in computer science class. Yes, they found that science if, class, if the class was more inviting. If the classroom was physically designed. The girls were more likely to want to be in it. So from what I get, okay, so here's what they're saying. A geeky setting means it has posters of Star Trek movies, Call of Duty, um, and Which you know, and and so to be this, fair, that's geared toward boys. Yes, traditionally. Yes, traditionally. Traditionally, no, let's, are, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not saying like there aren't Trek women. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of women games. that love Star Wars and Star Trek and all that kind of thing. Sure. However, there aren't that many girls. Most women that like it, I think, like it as they're adults and not. Right. You know, that wasn't their favorite thing as a girl. So Perhaps. This, and I'm not saying that. they should put up girly posters. Maybe they should just make it a little more gender neutral. Right. So what we're saying is that certain design aspects can transmit stereotypes because stereotypes means in general, right? Not everybody. But I mean, if general, you have a Call of Duty poster up in there, yes, that's going to be. In general, that's a male. But why would focus. you have that in a STEM classroom anyway? That's kind of. Well, it's video games. I, I think that was just for the picture of the article, honestly, but. Um, all right, we have 20 minutes to go. Why? Because we have someone visiting our house in 20 minutes. Really? So we got to get going. Yep. Um, Honestly? Yes. So, uh, anyway. Well, that's news to me. Yeah, it's news to me, too. Don't worry about it. We got this. Um, <laughs> okay. So here's a, boys didn't prefer one classroom's physical environment over the other. Girls, though. So, basically... This is just a bigger picture of not just boys. It's it's not just the classroom design. It's just that, in general, making things more um, appealing to both genders yes. helps. Because the idea is right, you know, and it's not. And to me, it's not just the stereotype of of your design. It's whether we like it or not. Um, we we have. There's there is a gender bias in technology. I see. I mean, whether we like to admit it or not, and, and here's the thing: it's not just that men that proliferate it against women. Say we'll we'll go with a gender bias here. There's it, plenty it, of there's video plenty, games well, that girls moms, like. Too. Like moms say, like there's moms that I've seen that have like discouraged their daughters because in their mind it's too hard. And so it's those little things that you say yes, to your kids. Yes, that's true. That. So my point is, in ju- it's not just that it's boys versus girls. It's that we collectively as a society have to become more open-minded um, and, and not play into the stereotypes. Um, yes, so I what agree. that means is... There's plenty of, the Star of Trek video posters. games and stuff that they could choose right. that is more gender neutral because I know lots of girls that love to play video games. I love playing video games. Haley loves playing video games. You know, it's... That's not just a boy right. thing, but there, I agree. There are certain games that do, like Call of Duty, is more. It's the it's, it, it, it's it does a, have a stereotype, right. yes, because I mean, that's what stereotypes are. Standing our stereotypes are say in general, you know, yes, in general, boys prefer Call of Duty over, but there are girls. So my, the point is, not so much. And I think this article hits on it at the end. It's not about eliminating the more masculine. It's about finding a way um, that 
how do you how do you build ways that shows everyone's invited? I think everyone's part of welcome. it is too. We need to encourage, and I I have I will say this has changed over the years because it used to be that you know getting called a geek wasn't cool, but in recent years, geek right. has become chic. Geek. Exactly. Yes, and. I mean, even our daughter will tell you she's geek. You know, she's a geek. She identifies with that. And I think that trend will maybe make it more likely that you'll see more girls in STEM-related computer science type things, too. So, you know, five years ago, a girl wouldn't want to be called geeky because it just wasn't cool. Right. Well, I think that's the thing. Like certain, but males, now you know, because well, males have now not, it's not, fine not to identify all, like that. But boys have less of a desire to find a click than yes, relative to that girls. is very girls true. Have have more of a desire to fit up as a part of yes. The group. Girls want to try to fit in. Yes, Ner- boys, especially nerdy boys, just don't care. Um, and I think what you're right. You're, what you're seeing is that. Girls are realizing, hey, I don't have to be like everyone else to be. Well, and, you know, honestly, even our daughter has struggled with that because, I mean, gosh, she's been and I love her school. It's wonderful. But she has problems finding other kids that she identifies with because, you know, she is very geeky and. A lot of the girls just aren't into the same things. So while she has friends, she doesn't have a whole lot of close friends. You know, she has a couple that she talks to quite a bit, but they're into the same things she is. And there just isn't a big group of those at the school. So that's where growing a community outside of just your geographical. Exactly. She has found a friend who lives, yes, a few miles away, not in her school district. But that's the power of technology has enabled her to find these friends. Yes, and she and likes to talk them. to her every right. day, and they're you know they have right. a lot of similar interests. So yeah. So there we go. Be more inclusive. Bottom line. Next story: The Pentagon has teamed up with Apple and Boeing to develop wearable tech. Yeah, maybe you now, can talk about this one a little tech. bit. Um, so yes, yeah, so I know. No, I was kind of surprised at this because I I was kind of thinking, duh. Right. So, the you US, know, like, haven't, hasn't the military been developing wearable technology for a long time? Yeah. Well, so, and this isn't just wearable tech. So, um, the, basically, the uh, DOD has dumped a uh, $75 million into a consortium of technology companies, and I wish they told the name, uh, Flex Tech Alliance. Um, so, it's not just wearables, it's, it's flexible electronics. It's electronics that can be kind of like fabric-y, right? Mm-hmm. That can mold to any shape. So one of those benefits is obviously wearable stuff. It's also like the skins of airplanes, the skins of you know, the outer armor of tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's any way that you can make electronics to embed in weird shapes that you wouldn't have otherwise. You, know, you think about today, circuit boards are these rigid you know, green pieces of, of fiberglass or paper that are really hard. It's really hard to make those. Yeah. So anyway, so yes, the DOD has said, Hey, um, you know, part of this wearable things, which, you know, could do things like monitoring the health of soldiers in battle um, or putting on the skins of aircraft to detect, you know, uh, when an aircraft is shot at and, and be able to make determinations. Part of that research though, is how do you make circuits more flexible? And this is just the U S um, you know, here, the thing we complain about is like the old mm. taxpayer dollars. Well, guess what? The, a lot of times taxpayer dollars goes back into private industry. In fact, most of the money goes back into private industry. 
um, for research, especially DOD stuff. A lot of our money goes back for research and development purposes. Um, and the great thing is, yeah, that has military benefit today, but five, 10 years later, you find commercial applications and it benefits everybody. Think of the internet, think of GPS all started as military applications mm-hmm. uh, have now since moved into commercial and has made life better. And this is just another thing that the military, you know, we have some needs, um, we have money for it and hopefully we'll see some sort yeah. of return on that investment later. Um, do you think we should take a break and then come back with the rest of the story? No, we're going to keep, we're going to keep going. I, well, you're going to be more than 20 minutes. I got this microscopic fish are 3d <laughs> printed to do more okay. than just swim. Researchers demonstrate a novel method to build microscopic robots with complex shapes and functionality. Remember, we got to figure out where London right. is too. Nano engineers at the University of California, San Diego, have used an innovative 3D printing technology to develop manufacturing multi-purpose fish-shaped microbots that can swim effectively in liquids, um, are chemically powered by hydrogen peroxide and magnetically controlled. These proof of concept synthetic microfish could inspire a new generation of smart microbots that have diverse applications, including detoxification, sensing, directed drug delivery, and more. So in other words, we have... Minus the directed drug delivery, I think these could be very useful in cleaning up rivers and streams. And there's a lot of applications. Yeah, there's a lot of applications, yeah. Um, you know, nanotech is is catching one. The fact that you now you can you can very I, small like, ones could be 3D, like medicine. You know, delivery bot, medicine. It, you know, you have to print things relatively kind of big in order to get any good resolution. Yes. So the fact that we can three D print nanotech stuff blows my mind. I think it's amazing. Um, and I think you're right. It's, it's not just the medical, but there's all kinds of environmental. Oh yeah, potential. I think there's a lot of environmental um, potential for this. And who was it? Was it MakerBot? I have to, I just have a, but there's um, a company just announced, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. They've invented a 3D printer that can print up to seven different materials at once. Wow. Um, so that, you can what would you even print that would have seven different materials? Biological stuff, food. Wow. If you want to make food. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ingredients. Um, <laughs> I am all for 3D printing food. So let's keep going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this in 20 minutes or less. Uh, Johns Hopkins, one we of my We have less than 20 minutes now. That was like uh, 10 minutes ago. Patients. Um, so we were doing another, I was doing another article on medical stuff um, and coming across this is called Mouth Lab. So Johns Hopkins University has developed a handheld device, battery powered, 3D printed that you put a, basically it looks like a rebreather thing into your mouth and you hold something in your hand and it can do a crap ton of vital signs. And uh, and that'll be so useful for the hospital for like uh, well, eventually, and eventually and it's, nursing right. homes. So and, it can take your heart rate, blood pressure, temperature, Breathing rate, oxygen, blood oxygen levels, um, and a basic electric cardiogram. They'd say, think of it as a check engine light for the human being. However, long-term use, because there's something that goes into your mouth, um, they can, in addition to the vital signs, future versions will be able to detect chemical cues found in, in the blood, saliva, and your breath that act as markers for serious health conditions. So more than just vital signs, they'll be able to detect a wide range of disorders, including blood glucose levels for diabetics, kidney failure, oral, lung, and breast cancer. I think that's awesome. That is awesome. Yes. That And, and so imagine... Sign me up. <laughs> this is going to change um, a lot. And yes. I think, I think this this could be one of the things that saying, really right? revolutionize medicine. Right. It's part of the change in, in how we do healthcare in this country and reducing costs. This thing, you know, things that would have taken 
you know, a lot of lab work, a lot of blood, a lot of mm-hmm. samples can now be done in a handheld thing. That just cuts costs down tremendously. And I think that's, um, that's goodness. And in, and eventually it'll be in your patient's home. So you'll be yes. able to self diagnose, which I know, I know you have, and you may I have issues so. with that. People interpreting, <laughs> I but, don't want people to go on WebMD and decide that they have cancer. And, right. you know, I think that's wrong, but. But I think we will see a, a balance. I think that. that yes, this has definite potential in a healthcare right. the pros setting. outweigh the cons. Yes. Um, all right. Next uh, algorithm interprets breathing difficulties to aid in me- medical care. Researchers from North Carolina State University have developed an efficient algorithm that can interpret the wheezing of patients and breathing difficulties to give medical providers information about what's happening in the lungs. Yes, and th- this one interested me because we have a daughter with asthma, and apparently it is a wearable sensor of some sort that monitors and collects the data and that can really help the pulmonologist or you know doc whatever kind of doctor that you're seeing to target your therapy for your asthma very specifically or not just asthma people that have copd any other sort of it just thing that where you have breathing difficulties it's this convergence of software hardware, um, you know, the open source, do it yourself, wearable con- 3d print, all this stuff is, is converging in a way that is allowing us to manufacture things quicker, faster, cheaper than we've ever done before added it with the software smartness and intelligence. And I, I just, I know a lot of people are skeptical, but I really think we are on the verge of really changing a lot of stuff in our, in our society for the better. And healthcare, I think is one of those things I that's going to so. benefit the most. I am slightly skeptical on a few things, but I'll say I hope so. Good. Last story, home sweet microbe, dust in your house can predict your geographic region and gender of the occupant. Yes, and this was really interesting. They could take the dust in your house. Now, I, it doesn't surprise me that they can determine where you are geographically just because, you right, know, whatever area you in, the microbes right. of dust that get in from outside, they can determine. Are specific to that. Yes, they're specific to that region. But. And it doesn't surprise me. It says they could tell whether you have a dog or a cat. Now, that doesn't surprise me either. But what did surprise me is they can determine a gender ratio in your house. That's interesting. From your dust. Yes. So So the takeaway from the story is people who have breathing difficulties in the house and need to change that. It's like you have to completely change the makeup of your household. And that's... You know, you can't just change your family members. So that you would like to, but that is kind of revolutionary thinking that maybe some of your breathing, like for example, our daughter has more trouble breathing at school than at home, but maybe it's because of all the kids and maybe their unique situations and dust and microbes that they give off and things like that. Maybe that that affects her breathing. That is different. That is interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's an angle that really hasn't been explored that much before this study. So your gender, your gender makeup of your household could help have an impact. Could impact your breathing. Yeah. That is crazy to think. Yep. Cool. That's interesting. All right. We did it, man. Yeah, you did it. I'm we, man. <laughs> I'll give it to you. And this is about it. We, this is you what we flew. Should. You flew, but you were like, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're trying to. Who's that guy with the car commercial that used to talk really fast? You the micro machines guy. guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, we just did an episode of Gears of Resistance, or I did. Uh, that should be up now. Head over to gearsofresistance.com. We talked about uh, 
DIY wearables. So yeah, there's all these fancy wearables you can buy in stores like your Apple Watch and Google Glass, or whatever. But we talked about the stuff that you make with your by uh, ordering some parts from like Adafruit or Mauser and doing it yourself. So okay. that should be up and it's pretty cool. Um, I've got nothing else. I've got um, nothing else either. So yeah, with that, head over to steampowerpodcast.com. There's everything else that we do, links to all the goodness. Um, you find the YouTubes, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the whatever else. You can find stories that we post throughout the week there. And it's also a chance for you to send in your ideas and stories to us as well. Uh, so with that, we'll be back in two weeks, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Um, so uh, with that, Thank you all very, very much for listening. And until next time, stay quirky. And keep it steamy. Thanks for watching. Bye.